Welcome to episode 14 of Haven of Horror. Uh, I'm Subject, this is Milton. We are discussing two films. Uh, Milton, I'm going to let you do most of the talking today because I have a bit of a headache. Uh, but I didn't watch, I didn't waste two hours in my life watching Bird Box to not do this show. So, Milton, tell us about Bird Box. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I blocked out my mind. You want us to talk about Bird Box first? Yes. Okay. So, um, I had a weird thing where I, I could have sworn that this movie was released before A Quiet Place, but apparently not. Because, like, because Quiet Place was, like, re- released around, um, yeah, April. Or no, no, sorry, at March, and then this one released in December. Um, I don't even want to really talk about it. It's like, it's like this weird lightning in a bottle effect for, like, when a terrible movie gets, like, a lot of recognition because, I guess, of when it was released and the place it was released on. I mean, I understand that people like this movie. Some people really, really freaking like this movie, but I I should probably just describe what happens in it. That um, was what I asked, yes. That is what you asked. It's just <laughs> stuff that comes to mind. Because this movie leaves me jumbled. Because it itself is told in, in a non-linear fashion, apparently. Although it doesn't have to be. Oh, I'll get into that. Yeah. Um, anyway... Okay, so Sandra Bullock plays a woman named Mallory, uh, a pregnant woman who is basically caught in the middle of the apocalypse. What's causing the apocalypse? Some invisible monsters that if you somehow lock eyes with them somehow, then you become insane and you kill yourself. Or if you are already insane in some way, then you become one of their minions and you're on a quest essentially to get everyone else to uh, look at the monster. Um, and eventually, um, Sandra Bullock gives birth, and there's another pregnant woman, and she gives birth as well. So she essentially takes care of two kids. And then she earns the award for worst mother of all time by deciding that for five years she's going to name this girl and this boy girl and boy i laughed when when i first heard that yeah and and after kind of co- cohabitating with these kids as well as a new love interest who is not the biological father of her child but you know a more benevolent acquaintance who you know and they develop a relationship who i guess also had to consent to the idea of girl and boy and apparently give no objections to that idea but anyway, eventually he dies. Um, Sandra Bullock has to take her kids down a river and eventually make it to a refuge. All the while, as all of this is happening, they can't look when the plot is convenient or inconvenient. They have to be blind almost the entire time by like using blankets as you know, as for obscuring their vision or rags or blindfolds or whatever. It, um, and it's all told nonlinear as well. We get, we do cutbacks to present and to prologue sections. 
it's it does a lot of stuff that a lot of other movies have done, save for, of course, the blindfold thing. But I don't think it does anything particularly well, unfortunately. We get, um, but there is one thing that does a decent job at is that the actors are able to do their jobs. You get, aside from Sandra Bullock essentially being, you know, the star of the show, we also have other actors like John Malkovich as uh, Douglas. We have uh, we have others like Tom Hollander. Um, I'm fairly sure we also get um, shoot. You know that that one guy with the bleached hair. I'm fairly sure that's a musician, right? Yeah, Colson Baker, also known as Machine Gun Kelly, is Felix. Yeah. Now I remember because everybody made a big deal that Machine Gun Kelly was in this movie because, and I, I'm not a big rap fan, but I, I am a casual like Eminem fan. And this was either right before or right after his big like fight with Eminem. And like Eminem basically ended his rap career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I only know that because of the memes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this movie was a phenomenon. But I'm going to argue with you a little bit on it's well-liked. Because if you look at the Rotten Tomato meter, it's got a 64%, which is barely fresh. And I've only talked to one person that actually likes this. 90% of this movie's popularity was that stupid Bird Box challenge. I guess I should probably clarify what by what I mean by really liked. Because especially during its time, people were almost afraid to criticize Bird Box. For the reasons that you have described, um, it had a huge pull with some audiences during its time, and then it kind of started to wane after a bit. It still surprises me that this has a 64 rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but then again, it's a botched website anyway, so who knows what its popularity really is. Well, and uh, like we always say, like that's just a consensus. That just means more people gave it a slightly above average score, which is... If you're putting it on a 10, I would put it at slightly below average. There are two movies in this in this film. One of them would be greatly interesting because I love I love the idea of them stuck in the house, uh, you know, trapped by these creatures. The problem is that they botch it at every opportunity. Yep. The rules are not consistent. Everyone's just an asshole from the start. Like, and uh, everyone, yeah. like... They're doing the best they can with this material, but I don't like any of these characters. It's they don't act like real people. It's very, very strange, like asshole foils that's going on here. Especially John Malkovich's character is just John Malkovich is just being John Malkovich. True. It's but he's being like especially I mean, we know if you know his acting, you know, profile, then this is the kind of character he would play. At the same time, it just doesn't work in the context. And he's just... He's so unlikable that you kind of just check out and no longer care what happens to him. You also don't particularly care about the other characters because they're very one-note. Well, um, and, like, when he warns them not to bring the guy in the house, I'm like, duh! Like, you don't bring some stranger into the house. And then, spoiler alert, they're right, because we changed the rules in the third act, and suddenly, even though he was... He didn't know it, or they didn't know it. He was crazy the whole time. Yeah, there's this whole thing of, and I take a little umbrage with this thing. Um, 
Okay, so how insane do you have to be to qualify to be a minion as opposed to just being, you know, canned by this invisible force? Like the only rule you... that we get is if you look at it, you want to die. You want yeah. to kill yourself. Yeah, unless you're insane, in which case apparently. But you see, they never establish that. They Nobody actually kind of says not very well, unfortunately. Um, there is never a scene in the film where they establish that the mentally insane are dr- drawn to this thing. Because that would be interesting, right? They it just feels like a last minute, oh, we need this to happen to move the plot along. Yeah. there, There's, like, small dialogue when, like, the, the intruder comes in where he kind of hints at it. And the wiki interprets it a certain way to say it's hard codified to say that insane people must become this way. I think it's a bad idea. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. And also, what counts as insane? Is it any sort of mental disorder, or is there like a certain threshold? Like, if you have, if you have high functioning autism, are you at risk to be evil instead of just dying, or does it? I don't know. And they don't. They don't explain. There's a lot of stuff that's not explained here. A lot of rules that we need to know that aren't told to us at all. It gets frustrating because this, this script really feels like it was written post Batman Begins, and they just watched a couple of Christopher Nolan films. It was like, hey, I can do nonlinear storytelling. The weird thing is, this is based on a book, and I don't know how well the book was developed. I need to do more research into that, but I'm fairly sure that, based on what I've been seeing, that the movie is fairly accurate to the book. I don't know. I didn't look into it because I honestly, I felt like I wasted two hours of my time with this movie. It's it's. Um, very, I also it's, don't it's buy that either of those children are five years old. No. Well, they're young. I can, I'll give them that. They're young, but, but like, I didn't know it was a five year get, gap until I looked it up on Wikipedia. Well, they, they did literally say five years later oh, they? after. They, they did say that. Oh, okay. Um, I'm and I may have missed that because I remember no, at the I, beginning. I wanted to check out of this movie quite a couple of times, so I can definitely get you. <laughs> well, because at the beginning of the movie, I was into it, right? Because it starts with that with the the for future part of this film. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, they're running for their lives. They have to use their. They can't look at these things, and then it's just like a fade away into a flashback uh, of her painting and her and her sister are arguing, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, what? It's very, they're very awkward transitions, and the pacing just doesn't work at all, where we cut very quickly to present present time for like a few minutes, and nothing happens, and then we cut back to the prologue. And, and you know what, if you're, if you're gonna make a dumb monster movie and not explain the rules, let me, at least let me see the fucking monsters, other than like a little drawing. That's why I think that this is, it's like, high low budget if if you understand what i'm saying like they have oh this good, is super low budget yeah this is it has good camera work for the most part clear cameras but well here's a, here's a okay. set here's a house you have a backyard you have a river it's very it's like on location set filming but it's not very okay to be fair though budget. actually i don't think it's low budget it's all their budget went to sandra bullock john malkovich um Etc. Yeah, the uh, the budget for this was about twenty million dollars. 
for a, like for a, a lower budget horror movie, that's that's bigger than some of my favorite movies. Like, oh yeah, sure. Now, um, the production company was like Bluegrass Films and Chris Morgan Productions. Um, music by Trent Reznor. For any Trent Reznor fans out there, I love Trent Reznor. I couldn't tell. It felt like he didn't care. Yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were mm-hmm. like the two people on the music side. All of Trent's like um, movie soundtracks are with Atticus Ross, and most of them are really good. Yeah, uh, he did he, like the Social Network, uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you like what he did exactly. It's a very dull soundtrack. That if it blows even, if my mind at all. Um, yeah. People don't really act like people. I still... Immediately, Sandra Bullock's character... I, I thought at the beginning of the film that her calling the kids, like, boy and girl, I thought was that was just an expression. You know, just to be directed to meaning or something, because she immediately... But no, apparently she literally named the boy and girl. And I'm, and so, I'm thinking by this point, like, midway through the film, oh, you're crazy. I don't okay, like people Okay, to be all. fair, though... Like, it's goofy, and it immediately takes me out of the movie, because, yeah, she's stupid. But it's also consistent with her character if she didn't want these kids. Or at least she didn't want her kid, and now she's stuck with two of them. True, and I I understand that there's a thing of she eventually comes to terms with being a mother, and there's this idea of her finally coming to terms with it, being endearing and giving them names. At the same time... You don't do that in a story unless you want us to hate this character. That bothers you more than it does me. Yeah, uh, I'd like to know so. why she decided to keep this kid if she didn't want it in the first place. Uh, by that point, the kid was already also, born. I guess. I don't no, know. because. He wanted to perform like a. Well, I, I don't want to use these coded terms, you know, but. Well, no, because she's pregnant in the flashbacks, and then even then, she doesn't want this kid. Yeah. So I'm like, why did you keep it this long anyway? Like, not to be morbid, but... Perhaps she felt morally, you know, compelled to have it anyway. Or maybe she was just in between decisions and never had and, took the time to think about it clearly enough. Or and like also, I've forgotten some of this movie because it was boring. Hmm. Who's the dad for these kids? Because she oh, seems like a know. shut-in. We don't know who the who the biological father is. Okay. He never appears. He's not because he's if, briefly mentioned in the beginning as someone who was essentially a roommate, and then oh, was, is that who that was supposed to be? Because like they set her up as this like loner, like doesn't leave her room, and I'm like, okay, if she's this character, how is she pregnant? Like, she's she's there because her she got pregnant through her roommate essentially. Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, something like that. I don't want to spend all too much time trashing on this, but I really don't have anything positive to say. It's uh, very other than some of the set pieces were fine. It's okay. It's nothing inspired. I constantly question the logic of this movie. It's very hard for me to suspend my disbelief, especially because you don't even need to have sailing experience or boating experience to know you cannot navigate rivers like that blind. It just doesn't. I'm fine with that. It's that's a gimme for the movie. But there's also Um, still a lot of other things where you can't truly do this blind. How do you farm? How do you drink? It's so I would be fine with the with that because that is a conceit for this premise. 
but they can't even be consistent with the premise. No. If they were consistent with the rules, I would be fine with saying, okay, sure, yeah, they have to do all this bl blindfolded. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have much else to say other than this movie is boring. Uh, everyone in this movie would die. The world <laughs> is doomed. There's no way to fight these things. They're invisible, apparently of corporeal bodies, and they can basically determine at will who they want to recruit. Well, we're getting there's, a sequel, there's no so... In, there's no hope in this dystopian future. Well, we're getting a sequel, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, apparently we're getting one as of March. Also, they want to do early. other language spinoffs of this film. I don't know what that means. I don't know. A, a translation? A dub? I have no idea. Is it going to be like Bird Box in England or Bird Box in China? Or Bird Box in Mexico, Spain? I, I, I don't know. I think that the appeal for this movie has died out. So I'm not sure. Nobody talks about this movie be. anymore. I forgot it existed until uh, you spun the wheel last week. Um. So my final thoughts are: this movie was boring and wasted a potentially interesting concept. But I can't be mad about it because of the next movie we watched. But we'll get into that here in a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give this a two out of five. I will never watch this again. What about you, uh, Milton? I'm going to give this a one point five out of five. I think. That Here's the thing. I might still give a movie a low rating if I at least found it entertaining. This movie is just bad and boring. I'll credit it to say that at least it has some technical competence in the very strictest sense. And that's it. And you notice that kind of stuff more than I do. It's um, it's a very skippable movie. Don't watch it. Don't do the Bird Box Challenge. Which Please don't do the Bird Box Challenge. In, which was started in Australia by Netflix. We can blame Netflix for actually starting this trend. Oh, I blame Netflix for releasing this piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't... Don't watch this movie. It's not worth it. Don't buy into the hype. If you find someone who likes this movie, um, tell them about our channel where we berate you for almost 20 minutes about how the terrible this movie is. Okay, um, before we... Yeah. Before we move on to the next film, do we have anything in chat? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. So, do you have any other thoughts? Because I did kind of interrupt you there. And sorry about that. Do you no, have anything else you want to say about Bird Box before we move on to a better movie? No, I think um, I think 15 <laughs> minutes is all we need to say about this movie. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's hilarious that you can shoot blind and somehow be a threat to people. I I like I find it hilarious that John Malkovich could have easily killed Sandra Bullock with a shotgun in that scene. <laughs> this reminded me of the happening a little bit, mm. it's, but not uh, as funny. There's but so yeah, many so conveniences. There's no way these people. Could the, the other thing I noticed is I think this is the first time that we've done two movies from the same year. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so we the next film on our on our, I guess subject or topic is a quiet place, directed by John Krasinski of all people. Mm -hmm. uh, written and directed by and starring, if I remember correctly. The biggest shocker for this was for me was this a was a Platinum Dunes movie. 
And we is way better than your average Platinum Dunes movie. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who are not aware, like I'm, I'm thinking Milton's not because he's not as ingrained into the horror culture as I am. Platinum Dunes in the early 2000s was the number one studio pumping out horror remakes. They made Texas Chainsaw, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, the Friday remake, wrong, uh, not Wrong Turn. Uh, it's a 70s movie with uh, Rutger Hauer in it. What is the name of that movie? The Hitcher. Uh, they okay. remade The Hitcher. Um, basically, like, for from 2003 to 2010, they were the number one cause of horror remakes. And it's like, it's almost known as the Platinum Dunes era, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking at their uh, filmography. Yeah, you have the ones that you said before. Uh, the Amityville Horror mm-hmm. uh, remake as well is another thing. They also did the, the Purge and the Purge Anarchy. Uh, Ouija uh, Project Almanac, which was not a horror as far as I'm aware. Um, a few other things. They also did... Uh, the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's well, that's simple. that's because. Do you know who runs Platinum Dunes? Oh, who? Michael Bay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Platinum Dunes is Michael Bay's production studio. <laughs> um, yeah, they've branched out in la- in the last few years, but I think they're still most well known for those remakes, which range from it's okay to. Oh my God, what did they make? (laughs) Uh, I loved this movie. This is taking that same concept of a monster that reacts to a certain sense. This time it's sound, of course, versus sight. Uh, And so you have to be quiet or it will kill you. Um, Not only is the script really good, it's a really simple story. They are creative with the sound. This thing, this movie scared the shit out of me because it was like quiet for the first like 20 or 30 minutes and then just wham. <laughs> um, it's a, it's, it's very creative. It's using minimalistic expression and using it to its advantage. Um, sign language is another big thing in this movie, along with actually speaking. We get more sign language than we get spoken word, which makes sense considering the premise of this movie, certainly. Yeah, the part and the placement and especially when we get to, you know, towards the end, towards the climax, that scene especially, which I guess we'll get into spoilers. um, Here in a bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that that scene especially is like top, which we'll get into later once I can actually describe specifics. But uh, I really appreciated how creative they were with this premise. Uh, Certain scenes that they set up to be tense were actually tense. Um, I, f- I liked almost all of these characters. Uh, the kids were whatever, but I'm, I'm usually not a fan of kids in films, so I'm forgiving on that. Uh, but I thought John Krasinski and Emily Blunt were great. Um, and I felt bad at the end of the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think the kids do a fine job. I've definitely seen a, a lot worse. I, could I don't think them. they were bad. They're just, they're kids, and kids are annoying, so. Yeah. Eh, well. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, also, this movie straight up, like at the beginning, sets the tone for this film uh, with the with the kid that they lose. Yes, um, I like it. I like that this movie 
like immediately shows consequences is probably the best way to introduce the monster and show like the natural consequences like if you act this way you're gonna get got and see bird box you can show the monster mm-hmm. uh Mildred, what was the budget for this movie the budget for this movie um in it was actually around a similar range i'm seeing a vague thing between like 17 million and 21 million uh, okay. Let's just assume that they had the same budget with Bird Box, just to compare them even more. So I think it's complete. I know a lot of people might say, "Well, it's not fair to comp- compare them. They're two different films." I think it is absolutely fair to compare them. They are using the same basic premise of a monster that hunts you based on one of your senses, and yep. this movie makes Bird Box look embarrassing. Well, Bird Box makes itself look embarrassing just on principle, but. Yeah, especially considering what's being done here. It's much more interesting to look at. Color correction is much more interesting, so it doesn't look so muted and bland. We're able to effectively use a lot more of the sets. We flesh out the, the main the main set of the farm. It actually makes it a lived-in space, uh, especially. We get some, you know, regional landmarks like the waterfall and whatnot. Um... Yeah, the woods itself also is given a bit of an edge because most of the danger seems to come from the woods. That's always a consistent thing. And eventually seeing that danger encroach upon what should be a a safe place. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with me me on this. This felt like a modern-day Carpenter film. (laughs) Taking a very simple premise... Group a family isolated out in the middle of nowhere with monsters out there, and not feeling the need to explain every little detail, just enough to know that the horror is there. Uh, I wouldn't. Hmm. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I'm just not sure how much that qualifies as Carpenter specifically, because other people have done this. That those sorts of things. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's Carpenter's like the most well known of them. I suppose. Um, we don't have a whole lot of competition, unfortunately. Or, yeah. I I love John Carpenter's stuff. I usually, when I consider a John Carpenter film, I think of maybe some cheesy dialogue here and there, maybe some over-the-top stuff, but definitely more practical effects, I would say. Well, um, the practical effects was an issue with this movie. However, I didn't think the CGI took me out. In fact, I quite liked the monster design. No. And I'm going to be honest, you know how like it has a head that like splits apart and all those little pieces? Yeah. Not going to lie, that freaked me out a little bit. It's good design, I think. It's very, it's very interesting in Alien. <laughs> which I guess, is it implied that they're aliens or they're like, what, subterranean creatures? This or... movie gives no backstory that I, that I can remember. But it's not... <clears throat> but... But it's not as obnoxious as in Bird Box because at least we're able to see them. There are established rules, and, and they don't really go beyond them. It's consistent, and we actually have a way where we can fight them. Yeah, well, and like this movie's not interested in like the origin or whatever. It's very, and maybe this is why I'm comparing it to Carpenter. But this felt like an updated version of like an '80s or '70s film. We don't need to know where the monster came from. We don't need to know its weaknesses. We just need to know it is out there, and we are following a group of people trying to survive. Sure. And I'm glad it's not just that, because if it was just that, then we get Bird Box. So, 
I have to be honest because you know they're doing a sequel to this as well. Yeah, they are. I, I'm I'm in the middle. At one on one point, I'm I don't necessarily want a sequel because the first temptation that everybody has when you make a sequel, bigger, badder, and we have to delve into like the origins. That is the mistake almost every franchise has made. But at the same time, the way they described this was this was, it's still John Krasinski, and like. He had an idea for a sequel, and he talked Emily Blunt into it. Well, yeah, I I don't know. I guess um, we might as well get into spoilers by this point if we're going to talk about the potential for a sequel. Um, well, I mean, there's Krasinski's no potential. Character, yeah, should we, yeah, John Krasinski's character dies. He sacrifices his life so that his children can escape, so that they can, you know, drift back in neutral. Um so I think a main draw of this movie was from John Krasinski's character and the fact that he would be absent in a sequel, I think it wouldn't kill it, but it definitely takes on a major element of why people like the first film. Plus from what we've said here with, you know, the trappings of has to be bigger, badder, and we go into the origin, that's where you kind of have to go with the sequel because if we don't get more answers, with us being patient enough to go through the first movie, we need some sort of payoff for all the time investment we have here. So we we want to know where these come from. Of course, that might take some of the element of suspense out of it, though, which I makes me wonder, should there be a sequel even if it was planned? Okay, so the, fir- the only thing I disagree with you on there is I don't think Krasinski was the draw at all, um, because this movie was mar- like sold on Emily Blunt's character. She's on all the posters. I didn't. I don't remember the trailers because I don't even remember seeing a trailer for this. Um, and its main selling point was its was the basically the sound gimmick. Like I love it in this movie, but let's be honest, it's a gimmick for the film that they mix the sound so that you are hearing what the protagonists are hearing. Um, I think because Emily Blunt is confirmed to be the main character of the next film, uh, and it's going to pick up from what I've read. It is going to pick up right after the first movie. Hmm. Um, I think this movie could do well. I don't think it will be the like phenomenon that first film is. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, she is definitely very prevalent on the posters. Certainly, um, she does have great presence in the movie. At the same time, so did John Krasinski. I think a lot of my favorite stuff comes when he's on screen. Um, but not to say that I didn't like the other performances, though. I guess they could hold up. I guess I'm more worried, though, about where the, a sequel would have to go. And all the trappings and of what a sequel would have to be. And I think it might take away from the, I guess, the feeling from the first one a bit. It's I think a risky it's, run. I think it's fine for this story to be a one-and-done thing. Let the production go into a new idea. I think that this production, had, with all the money that's made from A Quiet Place, could easily make another movie with a new idea. Well, and welcome I, to horror. It made yeah. money. <laughs> there's seven Nightmare on Elm Streets, okay? And there's 12 Friday the 13th. Or welcome to Hollywood. We need to make a franchise out of everything. Okay, but like horror this. does it the most out of like any franchise. Yeah, you're right about that. Next to Star Wars, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd say horror is worse. There's, what, nine Star Wars films? There's 12 Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, you're right. You're, that's fair. You're correct. 
there are way too many horror And Star Wars is your fault anyway, so I mean... Hey, now. <laughs> that joke only makes sense if they're just listening to it. Exactly. It's an inside joke. We'll explain uh-huh. it one day, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I... Again, this is another one of those... Like, it's just a simple movie. I don't have a whole lot to say other than I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I need to rewatch it because I was... Admittedly, I was in a voice chat with the with some people in a Discord, and I had them in one ear, and I had the movie in another. So I'd like to list, watch this again. Um, but yeah, this was great. I love a good monster flick. Yeah, uh, another thing that I actually really like about this movie is, especially compared to Bird Box, which I'm going to say again, um, we get the idea of where like a personal disability can could become a blessing. And sometimes, in a way, help you to look at a certain problem in a different way than perhaps more able-bodied people have. You have our deaf uh, heroine here, who, through her disability, is actually able, has an opportunity to discover a weakness with these monsters, that namely, insert this very high-pitched white noise is a detriment to these very sensitive hearing creatures. As opposed to Bird Box, where we have blind people. Blind people are can survive, and they're fine because they're blind. And there's no real nuance or like conversation that comes as a result of that. They just show up at the end. <laughs> well, and the other thing mm-hmm. that this movie does is it takes its time to show how things that we're just used to can be deadly. Something getting caught on a nail or dropping something. Yeah. Or it's not so common, but when like when Emily Blunt steps on that nail. Yeah. Which could be, which could happen. Especially, a lot of accidents happen in the home. A lot of you, set up and payoff. Yeah, you become complacent in a place you're comfortable in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do, I do like this movie. I warm up to this more and more um, as I keep talking about it because I recognize more and more stuff that I like. There are some small things where you might have to suspend disbelief, like a little bit. Without no, really, the movie where monsters that uh, act on sound requires suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I don't have to do the work for this movie that I had to do with Bird Box, especially. The mo- the movie does its work to suspend my disbelief for me rather than me trying to have to, you know, actively do that for myself, which I'm very thankful for. And I didn't think I'd have to be so thankful for until I watched Bird Box first and then going into a quiet place. It's like, oh, I can greatly appreciate the great things that you guys are doing, especially since I know how badly it could turn out if it was just given less care. Yeah. Uh, what else can we say? Um, shotguns? Yeah. Shotguns are great. Shotguns are a trapping of horror. I like the fact, however, in A Quiet Place it has more of a presence than the shotgun ever does, or more purpose than the shotgun ever does in Bird Box, where we're carrying around guns for no reason, except for the fact that we read the script and we know things are going to happen in the future, but otherwise we have no reason to carry guns at all. I will fight you on that one, because we show that there are humans out there that are have got, either gone crazy or are out to harm them. Well, normally I would agree around the midpoint. I would agree because we see the one in the in the loading dock. But before then, there's not really much of a reason to have a gun because see, all, we've, all we've established by that point is that people who see the monster want to kill themselves. 
and we'll usually find a means to do it as quickly as possible. See, I, I agree and I disagree because that is one of the downsides to the nonlinear storytelling is that they mostly have the shotguns in like the flash forward, right? Uh, well, the flashbacks. Um... Well, the flashbacks, the shotgun is just his own personal shotgun. Well, yeah, but then he keeps he keeps brandishing it around for no reason. Well, because he's an asshole. Like, well, yeah, but I you need if you want to write a good character, he should be okay, that way. But they didn't want to write good characters; they wanted to write assholes. But this is why I criticize the use of the shotgun because its presence isn't warranted for the most part until we get to a point where it's justified later. But then you question know, why they keep point... having it present. Like, buddy, I, I appreciate your criticisms, but at some point you're just nitpicking. Like, it's a shotgun. It's easy for me to nitpick Bird Box because I'm trying to look for anything worthy of conversation. With them. But we we don't like to nitpick here. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not to devalue your opinion, well, but him carrying a shotgun is not a problem. Well, it's but it's very prevalent through the movie. He just, he has it as a means to threaten people. He's or... a paranoid asshole. I fully believe that a paranoid asshole would keep a shotgun on him. Because he doesn't trust anyone else in that house. Except the Asian guy for some reason. Yeah, it's it's but it's very selective. There's no consistency okay. with, with Have his... you ever met old people? I have. They're usually there's usually a reason why they are that way. Well, uh, and also to be fair, his wife died. We're comparing real people to, you know, fictional characters. But to and course. to be fair on him, I'm gonna take up for him a little bit because the first time we meet him, his wife goes nuts trying to help Sandra Bullock and steps into a flaming car. Sure. But yeah, uh, that was Bird Box. Apparently we weren't done with it, but it still sucks. Don't watch it. Watch yeah. A Quiet Place instead. Which, since I brought up Rotten Tomatoes earlier, this has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. I, I don't... Sometimes a bit of what holds us back for me enjoying this movie is that although I appreciate the minimalistic design, sometimes I like my movies to have more audiovisual input, but that's just a taste thing. I don't put that into my critical. It's analysis. okay, we know you're wrong. But what whatever. You're criticizing me for nitpicking bird box. <laughs> well, but I mean a big part of this movie is audio. I know, I know. For me, just saying well, no, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, I'm, I, but I am curious now. What do you mean? Uh, I, I guess with what I mean is, like, I like more dialogue-heavy pieces, I suppose. Again, just me is something of what I That is analyzed. completely fair. Just, just something that I analyze with myself when watching the movie. <laughs> but, you know, that's not the main draw of the film. The film is trying to do something else, and I think it does it pretty well. You're a muted... Yeah, I know. I had to mute. I had to mute for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like how this this uh, does it's it's for lack of a better term gimmick of if they hear you, you die, and we set it off brutally at the beginning. Uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt lose a, ch a child. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't care, but it was kind of funny. They decided to have like another one. Hmm. Uh, which seemed like a bad idea because it has evidence in the film with, I guess, I you can almost say it's the third act, like, tension moment is her going into labor. There's a portion where I wonder how... I understand with this whole thing of, like, 
maybe the monsters just weren't there at the time. Being in labor and birth, babies are really loud. And I'll give them that because they do show that the baby immediately starts crying. True. I feel like there would be more consequences and it seems very situational. Well, no, because they had, remember, they had set off fireworks to drown out the baby's cries. I suppose. It also gets into an idea of like how much white noise can you put in to make yourself a bit safer, I suppose. But oh, but that also goes back to the, like at what point are you just nitpicking the movie? Well, I mean, they established pretty early on that like any sort of white noise is able to you know drown out smaller noises and make yourself safe. I wonder in in some cases, this is not necessarily a criticism. I wonder how safe like more industrial complexes are or like fabrication units where there's a lot of white noise where those could be like safe havens and shelters. Oh, don't worry. That'll Something be a quiet like, place too. Maybe. Um, yeah. No, I mean, if, if Krasinski has a legitimate idea for a sequel, I will watch it. Hmm. Um, but I don't... God, me like 10 years ago would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't need a sequel. You know? Yeah, I'll watch it because this one was fantastic. Um, any final thoughts about A Quiet Place? These were two pretty mm. simple movies and I don't have a lot to say, so this is probably going to be a much shorter episode than usual, and part of it is that I'm not feeling well. Hmm. No, that's fine. What else can I nitpick about these movies? God, I hate you. <laughs> can, I, can I trade him for the Canadian again? Like... Whenever he's available. Um, uh, just a decent, good overall movie it shows competence over basic stuff which i wouldn't say is like a i shouldn't have to say that that's something worthy of praise but i guess it is nowadays because there's more and more movies that kind of lose focus over the basics and the fundamentals and this movie demonstrates its competence because it's working with minimal storytelling and minimal expression and yeah, the fact that it does that and it does it stuff well makes you appreciate what it's trying to do. Not so sure about a sequel, but I'll be patient and I'll wait. I'll see what they do with the sequel. Yeah. So I'm going to give this a four out of five. Uh, this is concept. This is execution over concept. This is a very simple concept executed to, I think, the best of these filmmakers' abilities and done really well. Uh, it reminds me of classic like 70s and 80s horror, but updated for the modern age uh, awesome monster design there's legitimate tension which i haven't felt in a long time for a film likable care likable characters likable actors and actresses um yeah i i would recommend this it earned that 94 on rotten tomato not that i give a shit about rotten tomatoes but no. uh yeah i love this hmm. i don't know if it quite reaches a four for me it's definitely quite above a free. I'll say a 3.75 out of 5. It's still way above average. I I have to rate with myself, honestly. But you know what? Yeah, sure. I'd watch this movie again. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to go ahead and do, and like I said, this is going to be a shorter episode. My sinuses are killing me. Uh, Milton, why don't you pull up the wheel? Sure thing. And just a uh, 
because we didn't really get into it because I, like I said, I haven't been feeling good, so I didn't pull up news or anything. Uh, but some last minute announcements. We'll do this at the end. Uh, the first episode of our Let's Play for Resident Evil Seven is up. I have three more in the queue. Uh, over the next week or so, I'm trying to spread those out because uh, I'm going to be honest. Our gaming videos aren't doing great, uh, but I enjoy doing them, so I'm not, they're not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. Um. So check those out, and then we are almost done with Buffy season two. Yeah. So a spoiler cast, uh, or Discussion video will be coming up within the next week or two. Probably next, probably two weeks. Probably two weeks because we want to make time for uh, Resident Evil 7 before we get to you. Yeah. And once we're done with that, yeah. I also, so. uh, other yeah, last minute At some point, we'll get into uh, Hellboy. Don't worry. It is coming. It is coming. Eventually. La um, other last minute announcement is I do have Returnal uh, pre ordered. It comes out Friday. Uh, it is a horror game as well. I don't know if I don't know what I'll be doing with it, but I would like to upload some gameplay to the channel just once I see what it's like. So keep an eye on that as well. And I will get back to Days Gone in The Last of Us. Okay. All right. How's, how's that wheel looking? Looks good. Go All ahead right. and roll the wheel. Excellent. And uh, fingers crossed, it's not going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not what? It's not going to be something on par with uh, these picks. I'd love to... i love to have, like, two movies that I enjoy. At least we got A Quiet Place. At least that turned out well. Oh, so. fuck. Okay. So next week, Underworld and Blade. I hate my life. At least it's schlocky action. No, Blade is fine. I just no, don't no, like I, Underworld. I mean Underworld. Blade is... Oh, Underworld is boring as shit. Alright. We did make a rule that we will not re-spin it. Uh, make sure you, if you haven't already, take off A Quiet Place and Bird Box. It's already off, yeah. And then we can now remove Underworld and Blade. We will do that next week. Yeah. And I want to die. No. <laughs> uh, hey, maybe we'll see something we haven't seen before. Yeah, no, because I've know, seen both of these. I don't know. Maybe upon re-inspection. I'd like to hope, John... Give me hope, please. No. <laughs> Fuck your hope. No. Um, but yeah. All right. Honestly, I think that is going to be it for me. My head is starting to hurt again. Um, do you have any final thoughts, wrapping statements, pleas for mercy? Uh, get get your get your head feeling better, man. I'm going to feel like you at 100%. Yeah. Hopefully next week will be a little bit of a longer episode. How long have we been going? We've been going for about 46 minutes. So yeah, this is definitely going to be the shorter episode. I just didn't have a lot to say about either one of these. Like, one was bad, one was good. Yeah, just in very simple ways. Um, I, li I like the main heroine's performance. I liked overcoming guilt and how that goes into, um, you know, de dealing with, you know, being a daughter and dealing with, like, father issues as well. And with uh, communication as a family. I did like the father-daughter storyline, yeah. uh, especially the payoff is, of course, because, yeah. like, he th she thinks she's, like, he's, like, mad at her. He thinks that she's angry because he blames her for the death at the beginning of the film, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. And obviously the payoff is him sacrificing his life, yeah. and their final words being, I love you. Yeah, in sign language especially, it you gotta spin those wheels better, man. Like, you keep giving the shit. I do one thing. I click. I... 
But yeah, thank you guys for hanging out. Pull up the wheel next time. Let's see what happens. No, because if I do it, it'll take us off the screen. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, thank you guys for hanging out. Again, sorry this was a short episode, but we will be back Sunday uh, with some Resident Evil 7 over on Twitch. The link is in the description below, so make sure to click on that if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Anchor, one of the other platforms that we're on, just ignore this part. I'm sorry, but we appreciate you all equally, and we love you guys, and thank you so much for watching.